you believe in werewolves, dogmen, things that look somehow both human and canine that stalk the forests. Well, tonight's archive episode might convince you, or at least scare you. Welcome back to Camping Horrors, the podcast where real people share their most disturbing camping stories, and I narrate them. If you want your scary camping encounter narrated, send it to us at darkstories.org. To check out my other shows for more scary stories, go to eeriecast.com. If you don't mind, please leave Camping Horrors a rating on Spotify and a review on Apple Podcasts. Thank you. Now, throw a log on the fire. The night is still young. Was it a dogman? By Lacrimosa. A year ago, I went on a camping trip with my dad in late July. It was a weekend trip. We apparently were the only ones at that Indiana campground. One night in my tent, I woke up with a start. I checked the time on my phone, which read 3.30 a.m. I should have been asleep still, but my bladder was screaming. I was hesitant at first to get out of the tent, but I would not be able to go to sleep without this business getting done. I climbed out of the tent and stumbled around in the dark. The sounds of the forest around me at any other time would have comforted me, but on that particular night, those sounds were unnerving. About 50 yards away and up a hill, there was a porta potty and being a girl, I can't just pee in the woods, and if I have the option, I'd rather avoid it. I had grabbed a headlamp my mom had loaned me. I clicked it on, and I began to make my way to the porta potty To try to calm my nerves along the way, I was talking to myself, mostly complaining about my bladder and how dim the headlamp was. The light was so faint that it only illuminated about five feet in front of me, all I could really rely on was the light of the moon. I soon made it to the porta potty without incident, and I relieved myself. Once I was done, I began to make my way back to the tent. But once I was halfway there, it struck me. On the way there, the forest was loud and eerie, but now the forest was quiet and even more eerie than before. With that silence disturbing me, my mind began to imagine the horrors of the forest that might be lurking around me. Monsters of folklore, boogeymen, psychos, anything could have been waiting for me just out of range, to snatch me up and even eat me. Ugh, you know what your brain does when you're scared. It likes to make you being scared even worse. With the speed of an Olympic runner, I sprinted the last 20 yards back to camp. By then, the headlamp's light was fading. Upon arriving at the camp and catching my breath, I soon had the strange sensation that someone was watching me. I turned toward the tree line that bordered the lake. I was not expecting so soon to be looking into another pair of eyes, large yellow golden eyes. Unfortunately for me, my tent is extremely close to the tree line. So, whatever was watching me, it was less than 15 feet away. Frozen in fear, the only thing I could think to do was stare back at them. 
and that's when my headlamp's light went out. But the eyes of that creature, they glowed even brighter now, just from the dim moonlight. I like to think I'm a rational person, so I figured it was a coyote or a large stray dog, but every second that passed by, I was doubting that assumption. I took a few steps back and lost my balance, falling onto my butt. But the eyes got closer, and the moonlight shone brighter on the creature's body. It soon revealed a silhouette that in no way whatsoever matched the size of a coyote or dog. It was far larger, and it appeared to be standing on two legs, as if mimicking a person. I had to guess, the creature stood about six feet, even though it was hunched over. It had the head of a dog, kind of like a husky or wolf dog. Now, I know most people when they talk about encountering dogmen, they mention a strong feeling of malevolence coming from the creature, but with my experience, besides the feeling of terror I had, the eyes of the creature didn't seem to hold any sort of malice or intent to harm me. They looked curious, or maybe even confused. After engaging it in a staring contest, the creature lowered itself to all four legs, then slowly turned and walked into the forest, and creepily enough, it made no sound as it did so. Was this a dogman? I know it wasn't a bear, but I'm at a loss as to what it really is. It left no tracks behind either, as if it was extremely light, or like it wasn't there at all. The thing is, the soil on those banks is muddy, so something should have been left behind. Something more than just me being terrified. The Little Black Dog by Witch Witch When I was around 10 years old, I had a horrific encounter that I have not been able to shake off. My family and I were on a flight over to Arizona. The flight over from Australia was long and tiring. When we finally landed, we collected our luggage and took a shuttle over to the campsite that we would be staying at. We arrived and set up our tents, but I demanded that I have a tent with my older sister. So she and I set up our tents and got ready for the night. After setting everything up and after a very long flight, Everyone was quickly exhausted. Even so, we stayed up long enough to make some s'mores in front of the campfire with a local ranger who stopped by. Now, this ranger had a black dog named Ziggy. As we were chatting, I could hardly keep my eyes open, so my mom thought it would be best if we all got some sleep. Before we went off the bed, I asked the ranger if he wouldn't mind if I had his dog sleep with us in our tent. He didn't mind, but he did ask me to return him the next morning. Everyone had fallen asleep, and I was awake with Ziggy lying at my feet. All of a sudden, Ziggy rose to attention, and he slowly began to creep toward the door. When I saw this, I could feel my heart pounding faster. I hadn't shut the tent properly last night, and it was unzipped at the bottom. Ziggy puts his head through to the outside, and I rush over to my sister and shake her awake. I point to the tent, 
My sister holds her finger to her mouth, making sure that I don't say a word. She slowly advances toward Ziggy when he jumps back whimpering quietly. My sister jumps forward and zips the tent shut, then grabs her phone and turns on the flashlight. That's when the scratching started. It was coming from just outside the tent. It started up the back and was just barely quiet. Then it seemed to advance, getting louder and faster as it came closer to the zipper. Ziggy growled and backed into the corner. My sister and I shuffled back as well, just watching. I whispered to my sister, Shouldn't we call our mom? And she shook her head. But then, the most horrifying thing happened. Shouldn't, Shouldn't we, we call, call our mom? mom? Someone repeated exactly what I said. And the voice came right outside the tent entrance. They had imitated me the moment that I had said something, but the voice was distorted, as if its vocal cords had been fried. I had never been so scared before. I did not know what to do. It was like we were cornered in that tent. We had nowhere to go, well, except toward the thing that had just mimicked me. We waited for several minutes, minutes that slowly dragged by. My sister then crawled over to the entrance and slowly unzipped the tent door. Then she looked outside. I came up next to her and poked an eye out through the small hole. We saw what we thought looked exactly like Ziggy, but after a moment, we saw that it just wasn't right. His back was sort of caved in, and the hind legs were longer, and the body was wet and soaked. Then, the thing that looked like Ziggy leered at us, straight in the eye. I shut my eyes fast and encouraged my sister to do so as well, and then I said to her that maybe we should scream to try to scare it off. So the two of us together screamed as loud as we could, and so highly pitched that Ziggy began to bark. I opened one eye and saw that the thing was running away now. My mom came rushing out, and saw both of us screaming and crying. We told her everything and could not get back to sleep after that. The next morning, we saw the ranger and told him about our story. He told us that it sounded like a skinwalker. My mom, a bit irritated that he was trying to scare us, demanded that we leave early. So we did. We ended up staying at a cheap motel and then we flew back home shortly after. Nine years later, I've never been the same. Sleepwalking at the Girls' Camp by Pearl This took place when I was 12. While my mom was still with my stepdad, he forced me and my siblings to attend a Christian church which to this day I still despise. At that church, they had a group called Young Women. I'll call it YW for short. Also, it's important you know that at that age, I used to sleepwalk. So YW had an annual camping trip that I had to go to. The place had a nice restroom reserved for the camping trip, and the owners of the camping ground had a nice black lab who hung around the camp the entire time I was there. I don't know why, 
but he chose to bond with me of all people, and I'm glad he did. It was on the second night of our stay that I slept walk into the restrooms. Some of the girls had stayed up late and saw me walking around apparently, not knowing that I was sleepwalking, and had assumed that I got up to use the restroom. Not long after I entered, they saw an old man follow me inside. They said that he came right out of the woods and began to follow me, but before the man could actually make it inside the bathroom, that black lab spotted him and began to growl at him. The man, either fearing the dog or fearing that everyone would wake up from the dog growling, began to run away into the woods. The dog chased him and did not come back until the next morning. One of the girls ran into the bathroom to check on me and saw me lying on the floor, fast asleep. She gently woke me up and led me back to my tent. That group of girls was also brave and kind enough to guard my tent for the rest of the night. That very next morning, they would tell me this story, and as further evidence that the story was true, the black lab came back, and it had part of the guy's pants in his mouth, and he had a large scrape on his poor little head. If I had to guess, the dog had caught up to the guy and grabbed him by the pants, before being forced to let go after he was hit in the head. I had to explain my sleepwalking to the group, so they knew why I never reacted. We warned our camp counselors of the incident, and everyone else was on high alert for the rest of the trip. After hearing the story, the owners had the lab stay in my tent with me for the rest of the stay. So yeah, that's my close call experience with the guy who wanted to hurt me, and I didn't even know it because I was sleeping. This episode is sponsored by June's Journey. What is horror to you? Monsters, murder, mystery? Well, if human monsters are your thing, June's Journey is the game for you, albeit in a more lighthearted tone. June's Journey is a hidden object game with a thrilling murder mystery set in the roaring 20s. You play as June on the hunt for your sister's murderer. Discover clues through exciting hidden object scenes with beautiful and atmospheric illustrations and music. Victory brings you closer to new plot points and suspenseful answers. When not hunting for clues, you can customize your own luxurious estate island with gardens, buildings, and decor. Or chat and play with or against other players too, in the Detective Club, where you could even put your skills to the test in the Detective League. June's journey is both relaxing and fun to play. With my busy schedule, I find it's the perfect game to pick up and play whenever I've got a free moment. It doesn't demand too much time, and it's pretty satisfying solving puzzles quickly and unlocking new clues. Can you crack the case? Download June's Journey for free today on iOS and Android. The Skinwalker in Broad Creek by Flat French Fry This is a story about what I saw on my last camping trip with my friends from the Boy Scouts. Me and my friends at the time were going to the rifle range to finish up our rifle merit badge. We all had a good time, but I was the last one to finish up, so they ended up leaving me there until I was done, so that meant I had to walk back by myself. 
Our campsite was on the other side of the camp, and it's down a long gravel road. As I was walking through that gravel, I began to hear sounds in the forest right next to me. I simply thought it was another campsite, so I ignored it and continued on. But as I make it to the offshoot of this trail, to where the other camp should have been, I saw that their campsite was empty. Now I was beginning to get a little suspicious of these sounds in the forest. Sounds like footsteps and breathing. So I start to jog, nervous that something was following me. Then, out of the corner of my eye, I see it. Something with long, lanky limbs and eyes that reflected a dreadful yellow. I can see ribs pushing up from underneath its skin and bones that seemed angled and broken. I'm standing there in shock. I feel like I need to throw up. I see the form of the thing get closer and closer until I hear another sound, a smaller set of footsteps coming toward me. It's one of my friends coming to check on me since I was taking so long. He grabs me by the shoulder and we take off toward the camp. As I'm walking away, I look back and there that thing is walking right behind us, almost out of eyesight from the tree line. That's when I get a good look at its face, which is the most disturbing part of this story because the face is a human face, but it looks more like a loose mask as we get closer to our camp's campfire, the thing seems to grow disinterested and disappears into the trees. It was the strangest thing and the scariest thing that I've ever experienced. If I have anything to say, it would be don't go hiking alone in Broad Creek. The Hike I'll Never Forget by Dixon W. It was a hot and humid August day. My friend had come down here two days before on a Greyhound bus from Ohio. I live in Oklahoma and it can get pretty miserable here. But that morning when we woke up, I told my friend that we were going to go hiking in the woods. I'd been hyping it up for the past two days. We were both excited. I knew that he wanted to go hiking as much as I did. So after breakfast, this friend, Coda, and I drove about three miles from my town. The forest we went to was nothing but trees and fields, not even any trails or camping areas. This place was basically civilization-free. As we began our hike, I noticed how quiet it was. I took a moment to appreciate it until I realized that even the birds were gone. I should have taken that as a warning but I didn't even think much more about it. Besides remembering that there was a wildfire a week back, and maybe that had something to do with it. Anyway, for this trip, I did not even bring a map, since I'd been out here about a million times by now. It was going to be a two-day hike, because I didn't know how much Coda would be able to take. For the first couple of hours, Coda kept asking me if I felt like I was being watched, which in the middle of the forest is a really creepy question to ask. And to be honest, I did feel like that, but I did not want to spook him, so I lied and said no. By the time we got to the first campsite, we were trying to get things ready when things got weirder. As the sun set over the horizon, 
The air around us got colder, and the sensation of being watched grew worse. It was so cold that I could see my breath. Anyway, we got settled in and soon went to bed. In the middle of the night, I woke up and saw that Coda had been up for about 10 minutes already. When I saw him just sitting up like that, it kind of startled me. I went to ask him what was wrong, but instead of letting me talk, he put a finger over my mouth and shushed me. It made me a little bit irritated, so I pushed his arm away. Then he said in a really low, quivering voice that there was something outside the tent. I laughed a bit, because all I heard at the moment were coyotes in the distance. I called him a coward and tried to go back to bed. But when I did, I felt the sensation of me being watched again. This time, it was nearly overwhelming. I sat up quickly, and my friend looked at me straight in the eyes and said, Do you believe me now? When the sun finally came up, it was really quiet again. I made us some breakfast, and then we got prepared to go hiking again. But after that night, I no longer felt safe out there. As my mind was racing, Coda suddenly came up to me and pushed me. I got up and looked at him, asking why the heck he did that. Coda looked at me with a serious look in his eyes, and he said, why'd you call me a coward last night? You know I hate that. You didn't believe me either. I shook my head and picked up my backpack. I just took off and didn't care for leaving him behind. There was just too much tension between Coda being frustrated and the strange sensations we were feeling. At this point, I just wanted to get our hike over with and get back home. I was maybe 200 yards ahead of Coda when I heard something. It was a really raspy voice, and it sounded like it was all around me, calling my name. I stopped in my tracks, listening to it, trying to pinpoint exactly where it was coming from, but it seemed to have no specific origin. It was coming from everywhere at once. Then, it began to sound like Coda, and instead of freaking out at this obviously supernatural thing that was happening, I started to feel bad for leaving Coda behind. He hadn't gone out here as much as I had, so he could have gotten hurt if I left him there. I ran back to camp. When I got there, he was sitting down on the forest floor, just picking at twigs. He looked up, and he said that he was sorry for pushing me. I helped him up and apologized for calling him a coward. Then I asked him, was it you that was calling my name a second ago? He looked at me with a raised eyebrow and asked me the same. We had both heard each other calling our names, but neither of us had actually done that. We were both creeped out. Together, we took off. We made quite a bit of progress, both of us now in an apparent hurry to get this over with. But we were getting tired. We started walking again, and that's when Coda started to get weird again. He stopped all of a sudden, and then he asked me, What was that? I looked at him, and I said, I don't know what you're talking about. Did you hear something? Coda got red in the face, instantly growing furious for some reason. Then he just blew up. What do you mean you don't know? You've been here right by me. 
and you've been on so many hikes here in these woods. How do you not know what that was? I was getting annoyed again. I told him that I wasn't sure and that I didn't hear anything. I didn't know what he was talking about. We needed to keep going. He stared at me in confusion and anger. Then he stormed off. Where are you going? I asked. We can set up camp here. But he kept going, only looking back for a moment to say, Screw this. Screw you. I'm getting out of here. I'm getting away from whatever that was. I didn't want to leave him alone, even though he was doing nothing but confusing me and scaring me now. So I followed him, even though it was night and we were both exhausted. We walked through the night until the sun was beginning to rise again. It must have been 7am by then, which was around the time we heard a blood-curdling scream. Like an animal being attacked and slowly slaughtered, I stopped, petrified at what I just heard. All of a sudden, Coda grabbed me and pushed me forward, almost tossing me to the ground. We both began running, and only seconds later, we stopped, because we both saw something up ahead. It almost looked like a person, but everything about it was just all wrong. It only had patches of hair in places, and the arms were suffering from some sort of bone disease, because there was no way those arms were natural. We turned around and began to quietly walk back, but as we did, the thing was before us again, as if it had transmitted itself to a new location immediately. Now it was at the edge of the nearby tree line. We backed up slowly and just turned around, running in the other direction. As we ran, I kept seeing the thing out of the corner of my eye. It never really chased or pursued us, but every time I turned in a different direction, it was there. Maybe there were loads of this thing in the woods, or maybe there was one. I couldn't be sure. For another two hours, we kept up full speed, nearly doubling over or fainting. This was the furthest we had ever pushed our bodies. But soon, thank God, we made it back up the road and we found my truck. And only when we reached the road, when I turned to look back into the forest, I no longer saw that creature. It was like it popped out of existence the moment we exited the woods. This made me feel secure, but we were still way too close to danger. I didn't want to turn again and see it randomly pop up once more. I turned the truck on and we drove away, the two of us remaining silent until we got home. That was certainly a hike I'll never forget. I still go back in those woods sometimes, but I've never had this happen to me again. Still, I bring a weapon with me, just in case I see that thing. I wonder, are those woods haunted? Is that thing the source of it? Was it that creature that was making Coda and I turn on one another? I never honestly thought I'd experience something as bad or worse than a horror film, but here I am telling this story. Consider this next story a bonus story. It's not really the same as the other camping stories in this episode, but it does feature two campers of sorts taking care of an elderly lady. 
It's disgusting and disturbing, and I thought you would definitely love to hear it. The Ants of Rot by Ikmik L. When I was six years old, my parents broke up and divorced. My dad moved a few miles away to a large apartment building. This story took place around three years after he moved in. I would go to visit him on Wednesdays and every other weekend. Every time I would visit, there would be a person camping outside of one of the apartment buildings. When I say camping, I mean that the person, sometimes a man and sometimes a woman, would be sitting in a fold-up chair with their phone plugged into a socket along the corridor. I later learned that they were caretakers of a very elderly lady who did not like them inside her house, so she made them set up camp outside. One day in December, right before Christmas break, we started noticing a slightly strange odor looming around that corridor. We didn't pay much mind to this, as we had packing to do for the trip. As I recall, on the evening that we arrived back home, we heard a large amount of commotion in the corridor. Out of interest, we went outside. There were police everywhere. We managed to ask one of the officers what was going on. Apparently, an old lady had passed away. She had not given the building a spare key to her apartment, so the officers had to break in. And these doors here were real deal fireproof, two-inch thick mechanisms with three locks. The amount of damage they had to give that poor door before it gave the slightest bit of entry was unbelievable. At this time, I felt bad for the old lady and soon forgot all about it. Around two months later, that nasty smell started to come back. My dad told me that somebody had probably gone on vacation but accidentally left their garbage. This smell seemed to be the strongest next to the door across from us. It got to a point where it became hard to breathe. Somebody complained and the authorities were called. Inside the apartment, they found the remains of a young female in an advanced stage of decomposition with an infestation of ants and maggots living off of her. Apparently, she had popped when they were trying to transport her, launching maggots and ants everywhere. I later learned that she experienced a very slow and painful demise. She had constantly been eating a food that was actually poisoning her. She had passed away in her bedroom, which shared a wall with mine. Ever since then, until we moved, we suffered a small ant infestation. It scares me to this day that the ants that climbed on my bed were the same ones who climbed all over and feasted upon that woman. I don't know if it was a coincidence that those two people passed at the same time almost, on the same floor in the same building, and yet they had partially decomposed before anyone had found them. Thank you for stopping by at our little campsite here at Camping Horrors. To hear your story on the show, send it to us for narration at darkstories.org. For more narrations from me, you can catch me on my other podcasts, Unexplained Encounters, and Tales from the Break Room on Spotify, Apple Podcasts, or your favorite podcast app. Or you can go to eeriecast.com for those and even more terrifying podcasts. Follow me on X 
formerly Twitter, at Dark Prevails. And be sure to leave Camping Horrors a rating and review on Spotify and Apple Podcasts. Now then, I'll see you soon when the campfire blazes once again. This is the story of the one. As a maintenance engineer, he hears things differently. To the untrained ear, everything on his shop floor might sound fine, but he can hear gears grinding or a belt slipping. So he steps in to fix the problem at hand before it gets out of hand. And he knows Granger's got the right product he needs to get the job done, which is music to his ears. Call, click Granger.com, or just stop by. Granger, for the ones who get it done.